Welcome to Movable Dough. This is Steve Danielson. I'm a composer, conductor, and music educator. On this podcast, I talk with other composers and discover how they began their journey into composition. Join me each week as we explore their lives, their musical journeys, and of course, their music. To learn more about this podcast and access a complete archive of episodes, including the series of shorter segments called Movable Snippets, visit my website at sdcompose.com slash movabledoe. Hey, this is Steve. Thanks for joining me for this episode of Movable Dough. My guest today is Judith Harrington. Judy is the founder and artistic director of the highly acclaimed Tacoma Youth Chorus. A graduate of the University of Oregon, she earned her Master of Education degree from Lewis and Clark College in Portland, Oregon. She further studied conducting with Rodney Eichenberger and Henry Leck. Judy is highly regarded as a guest conductor, workshop, and choral clinician. She has published choral compositions, arrangements, and co-authored choral teaching texts through Pavon Publishing, Hal Leonard Publishing, and Kola Voce Publishing. Judith Harrington, welcome to Movable Dough. Thank you. I'm honored to be here. Thanks, Steve. So I know you've been in Washington State for a long time. Is that where you are originally from, or were you born somewhere else? I grew up in Oregon, Eugene, Oregon. In Eugene. Okay. So what brought you to Washington? A job. (laughs) I know that well. Uh, yes, I moved uh, to teach at Annie Wright School, and which is a private uh, school, and then moved to Charles Wright Academy. Retired there about four years ago. So uh, about 44 years of my career has been at Charles Wright Academy. Nice. So are you enjoying the retirement? Well, I'm plenty busy. As <laughs> people tell you, I still continue my work with Tacoma Youth Chorus and uh, I have two little grandsons that are joy of my life. Oh, <laughs> fabulous. So when you were growing up in Oregon, uh, what sort of musical activities were you involved in growing up? Were you doing piano lessons or school ensembles or what were you doing? Yeah. Uh, well, it was interesting. Uh, everybody's story is so different. We grew up on the north side of town, which is at that time has, was quite rural, lots of farming. And uh, for instance, in the summer, Everybody just went out in the fields. We picked strawberries, beans, cherries, and that's where any of my understanding of pop music at, in my childhood came because I heard it in the bean fields. I didn't. <laughs> um, but my family was uh, very involved in a Lutheran church, so I would say those are really the formative things, uh, and we were middle middle income my mom taught piano lessons so we could have lessons there's three girls in our family so we church and music was our our world outside of school i also both of our parents were um midwest farming background okay so there was quite a work ethic that went with that sure as well Sure. Were you all singing in the choir there at church? Oh, yes. And my mom was the organist there, and and she taught me how to play the organ, in which all those weddings later was <laughs> help pay tuition and things like that. Um, then also, I had a wonderful piano teacher, and her name, Ovita Hunt, and she was from the Philippines. And I think uh, growing up in such a a community that was everybody looked like you went to the same church and things like that to walk into a home every Friday afternoon and to smell the cooking 
and to hear her speak on the phone to her family. Uh, she would wear the Filipino uh, formal dress at recitals. It really gave me an interest. I, I think that's where my interest in multicultural music came from. So uh, it wasn't a, a flashy background. <laughs> it wasn't very exotic. It was music, church, hard work. Went to school in the same town I grew up in. Yeah, I think that's great, though, having that exposure to a, a different culture. I think that's really healthy. So when did you actually decide to pursue music as a career? Uh, I, well, I played piano starting in about six, six seven years old. And then um, pretty soon my mom said, it's time for you to play the piano for Sunday school. So I played with that. And, um, but I think what really hooked me was when I was, I didn't know what, I, what aspect of music I was going to go into, but I, vividly remember when she said um you're going to conduct for vacation bible school she was going to play the piano this time and i was going to be the song leader and she gave me conducting patterns and then she said and on that long note, you just take your hand and do this and there was something about doing this and the sound <laughs> changed <laughs> and i was hooked i i still remember i remember what dress i was wearing at that time it was very, very vivid. I, About how old were you? Uh, graduating from high school. Graduating from high school. Okay. Yeah, but all through high school, I was accompanying. I, I wasn't singing in the choir. I was accompanying. Okay. And is that when you started writing and arranging music as well, or did that happen much later? It happened later. I, I'd fiddle around with stuff and make up variations on Three by Mice or something like that, but never anything to be proud of. Uh, I do think the piano teacher, she really gave us a lot of theory background. And uh, Harold Owen was my theory teacher at University of Oregon, and we did all kinds of Bach chorales. And I think that understanding of voice leading and um, parallel things really informed, was part of that structure of learning that was so important to me. Yeah, that's awesome. It didn't start until... Uh, I started teaching and like probably so many people have said I couldn't find what I needed for my kids. And so I started writing my own. That's awesome. I, yeah. That is how many of us get into it. <laughs> yeah. I'm saying it. <laughs> so I know you've done several arrangements with Sarah Glick. So how did this partnership come about? She was the accompanist for my first choirs. Okay. And and quite a good composer herself, published composer. And she had um, had said that there was a friend, the son of friends of hers that was starting a publishing company. That's Alan Pecker. And would we like to um, submit something? So she submitted some of her solo things. And then we had just written the three American folk songs, the Shenandoah, Cherry Riddle song, and um, Old Joe Clark. And so we sent them to Alan and he took them on right away. And that was at the time that was just beginning of the multicultural interest in um, music education. Mm -hmm. so we kind of hit a, came at the right time. We followed that with some Scottish pieces. But she was um, she's an organist and a harpsichordist and re really fine piano. Sometimes her piano parts are almost too hard. <laughs> <laughs> 
very, very accomplished. And I learned a lot. I knew nothing about that whole publishing work and how to cl clean up a score and what to look for. And so I, I give her a lot of credit and, and appreciation. So I know you are one of the lucky ones that has a choral series named after you through Pavan Publishing. So what is your responsibility when you quote unquote own a choral series? <laughs> Keep your eye out for great pieces. Uh, it mostly started with um, people writing music for our, my choir. And then I would ask if that could be published in our series. I think and that's uh -huh. really where that came from. But it's also, um, Alan is a really fine editor and he is a, a good composer himself and a good choir director. So he's very discerning and will point out things in my own pieces to pay attention to, or he'll send me things. What do you, what's your take on this? And, um, you know, is it something I'd want to hang my name to? <laughs> so uh, I'd like to ask about the Tacoma Youth Chorus. When did it all begin and how? Yeah, about 33 years ago. Yeah, so we've been around a long time and um, it started, I had been doing work with the Seattle Girls Choir and wanted to make, have something for boys um, as well. So it started out with about, I want to say 36 kids and it's been going now for, the, like I said, the 30, 32, 33 years. And um, it, I, I am really proud of what we stand for. Uh, my family calls it my third child, the one that will never leave home. <laughs> Very passionate about teaching young kids and uh, helping them discover that artistry, that artistic experience and giving them a place for their voice to, to sing with others. Sure. Do you, is it still one group or is it divided into several groups now? We've been several groups for quite a while. We uh, started I won't go into the whole journey of it, but right now we have a, a program that is preparatory, that is um, process, it's, it's activity and wonderful teacher for that. And that's kindergarten, first grade, and then a choir that's second, third, and fourth graders. The same teacher does that work. And uh, then I teach the middle school ages, five, six, seven, eights. And then I do the treble high school level and Another wonderful conductor teaches the tenor basses high school, and then I do the crown. With the, we combine those two high school groups. Yeah, is that Alonzo that does the tenor bass? Yes. Yeah, he's fabulous. No, yeah. Yeah. If y'all don't know Alonzo Brizuela, you need to get to know him. Yes. Shout out to Alonzo. <laughs> and shout out to his wife. She's yeah. The teacher for the younger grades. Yeah, they're both fabulous. So, as a lifelong music educator. What is one lesson that you would teach today's educators just starting their careers? Well, I will um, start their careers. This is some advice my mom gave to me when I first started teaching and I was complaining about the kids or something. She said, Judy, remember you teach children first and then you teach the music. And uh, I think at the core of everything, you just, you have to really have a heart for those children. And, and watch them, uh, read what their eyes are saying, find a way that their experience is going to be successful. You know, you, sometimes you're the one person that can, is the bright spot in their day and open
opens the window for them. That's fabulous. I like that, especially at that middle school age. I think that's really important. Yes. Yeah. And uh, kids are all the whole, you know, I've been teaching for so long. Kids are, are very different. We uh, are coming out of a, a really hard time. And um, I'm just, my heart goes to those kids and I'm amazed at their resilience. And um, I think we just need to love them up <laughs> and be patient. We have to be very patient. Sometimes it takes, we don't see what our efforts have been for a while. It takes a while. Absolutely. All right. I've got one more question for you before we take a break. And this one is non-music related just to get to know you a little bit better. So thinking back to when you were a teenager, who was your biggest celebrity crush? Oh, celebrity. I was probably somebody on television and um, some guy with dark curly hair. The guy who was on Maverick. I don't, I want to really date myself. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And um, also I think, uh, Ben Clyburn was just a, kind of a big celebrity okay. at, a, at a time too. So I thought he was pretty amazing. Yeah, I was, I, my sisters and I would probably say it was some TV person. <laughs> Excellent. Well, thank you for answering my weird question. <laughs> After I take a quick break, we are going to listen to some of Judy's compositions. Welcome back. This is Steve Danielson. I'm talking today with Judith Harrington. So Judy, today we're going to start with Lucien Yelov. Did I say that correctly? Lucien Yelov. Lucien Yelov. This is an Armenian folk song um, arranged for SSA. I don't speak Armenian, but my understanding is this is an homage to the moon. So could you tell us about why you wrote this piece and why you chose this folk song? Um. Well, lifelong, or not lifelong friends, but longtime friends are the Sumerjan family. And their daughter, Laurel, sang with us in Tacoma Youth Chorus. And um, I've always wanted to explore music of their culture. There are both the parents are Armenian and uh, our daughter, she, Laurel was best friends with our daughter. And I always uh, noticed that Katie always wanted to she didn't need to be picked up right away and she'd always stay long enough to be invited to dinner. And we've often joked that the submergents were her second family. And so we're very, very close. And uh, I wanted to uh, honor that friendship and what they'd given to, to me as a family um, and also to our organization to come of course. And it's, um, it's a, I, I don't want to get into the history of it because I, I would need to review my notes on that too, but it's a history of a, a country that's uh, been invaded and dominated and um, persevered. And I think that comes through in the music as well. Um, so, and it's a melody I'd love. It really spoke to me. That's great. And this was written for a, for an anniversary concert for Tacoma Youth Chorus, right? Yes, and okay. it's um, it's written for treble voices, but in the recording that we're going to be hearing, uh, Laurel, who's a professional singer, is doing the soprano part as a soloist, and then the choir is the mezzo alto uh, back backup choir. Okay, 
So, and you said Laurel was a singer in Tacoma Youth Chorus and then went on to a professional opera career. Yes. Fabulous. Okay. Well, we are going to listen to Lucine Yelav uh, here performed by the Tacoma Youth Chorus with Laurel Submergen as our soloist. piece today rush onward tides of my soul also for ssa chorus so this piece uses an excerpt of a poem from longfellow the sound of the sea and though longfellow may not have been referencing the puget sound uh you mentioned to me that you were inspired by living in the puget sound area as you wrote this 
So what inspired you about this poem? Well, I, um, growing up in the West Coast as a child, we spent time on the Oregon coast, which is a very dramatic coastline. In Washington, not as dramatic, but um, I think when you live near water, um, the water has its melodies and uh, the sh shapes of it and the colors of it, constancy of water, and it's, it's ever-changing. It change, its colors change. It's the, and this is a tidal area out here in the Puget Sound too, which is very different than lakes. Mm -hmm. and, um, uh, but being aware of that nature. And there's something about water, the sound of water that um, moves me. Now, you also mentioned that you used some, some text painting in this piece. What sort of examples should we be listening for? It, in some ways, it's it's almost too obvious, but that constant motion and the the, the uh, rippling aspect of it as it undulating, mm -hmm. and um, kind of the murmuring of water, and then the drama that goes with it. So the it, I would say it's mostly in the um, piano part, but um, this feeling of swells. It's, it's not. It's not too complicated. <laughs> All right. Well, we are going to listen here to Rush Onward, Tides of My Soul, performed by the Tacoma Youth Chorus and dedicated to and performed with accompanist, who is also my friend, Amy Boers. So here we go. Thank you. 
All right. Our third piece today, Stars Tonight, for two-part treble voices, also available in SATB. This piece captures the wonder of gazing at a sky full of stars, and you chose to employ tingsha or Tibetan finger symbols. So are these to represent the stars or perhaps representation of our wonder because of the stars? What were you thinking about? Yes and yes. Yes and yes. <laughs> yeah. um, I have, I sing in the symphony chorus with uh, Jeffrey Boers, and we had just sung a um, piece by Tan Dunn and the Water Passion, and we each of the singers had a set of the tingsha, and at different times we we played for it with it, and I, I could resist <laughs> tingsha piece, and uh, these are, the ones I like are very very small, so that that you play them on the side, and they're very clear. It's not that you can use finger small finger symbols as well. So for me, it, it is the the looking at stars. Um, but the irony is here in the wet, in the Pacific North Coast, Northwest, are it's so overcast at night that we don't have a lot of stars. So when we do, it's it is oh, <laughs> the stars are <laughs> it's wonder for sure. But I also think a, a bit about Sarah Teasdale. I believe at the time she wrote this, she was living in Santa Barbara. And that would have been, I want to say the third, 1930s, at a time when there wasn't a lot of light pollution. And uh, I think that's partly why it's, the stars are there. And mm-hmm. every time we see that. And I think many cultures have uh, a lot of legends that surround stars and they're mystical. Absolutely. All right. Well, we are going to listen to the the mystery and wonder as we listen to stars tonight. Thank you. 
All right, our last piece today, Awake My Soul and Sing for SSATB. So this is a fun piece with original lyrics by you. And you start out with this lively, joyful 7-8 section that's just spellbinding. So what were you going for as you wrote this piece? Well, um, actually, I wrote that during the COVID okay. time. And it's I don't think that's what's most important about this piece, but it, it was in um, coming from a place of darkness and emerging into light with a, with a new song. And also just that whole idea, we have to keep singing. Um, and I think uh, I want to circle back on an idea that has been important that I'm aware of, that you, as a composer, I really pay attention to word stress and word rhythm. Mm-hmm. That I, I'm hoping works in this piece where I spent, I wanted the mixed meter because it's so fun, but trying to make sure I was in the right time, uh, timing was so critical. Yeah. Well, it, it's a really fun piece to listen to. I'd love to perform this sometime. Okay. So we are going to listen to Awake My Soul and Sing.
Well, Judy, what are you working on now that you can tell us about? Oh, um, well, I <laughs> it's lean right now. Maybe <laughs> the muse that uh, inspires me. I'm, I'm doing a lot of uh, work with Youth Chorus. Okay. Then we have a new managing director. So I, my brain has been very dedicated to administrative things. And uh, so I'm hoping that hanging around with my little grandson is going to supply some inspiration. I exploring um, Measure Me Sky. I love that poem. And I, a lot of people have written that one. I have another piece that could become a rollicking kind of a not a pirate song, but you know, <laughs> dusty. <laughs> there you go. Well, if my listeners want to learn more about you or your music, uh, where can they find you? Where Where are you located online? I think just find me through Tacoma Youth Chorus. Okay, that's the best place to go. Yeah, sounds good. Well, hey, listeners out there, are you loving these interviews? Do you want more movable dough? Well, you're in luck. Movable Doe has a spin-off series called Movable Snippets, where I let composers share one of their pieces with my listening audience. It's a rapidly growing body of work with over 40 pieces featured so far and more to come. The Movable Snippets are available through the main Movable Doe feed. So take this time right now, make sure you're subscribed to Movable Doe through your favorite podcast provider so you never miss another snippet. Well, Judy, it has been a lot of fun to talk to you today. Thank you for joining me today on Movable Doe. Thank you. I'm honored. Thank you, Steve. My guest today was composer Judith Harrington. If you have a recommendation for a future guest or an idea for the show, please email me at movabledoe at gmail.com. This is Steve Danielson. Keep the music moving.